I'm uh, I'm currently in what's left of Pate right now, and um, it's kind of difficult to process the level of destruction here. Pretty much 80 to 90 percent, some people are even saying 100 percent of these buildings are now unlivable. People are living in the streets, uh, eating around fires, and most of the city looks like this. I've become quite used to seeing this type of devastation from my time in Ukraine. Only I'm not in Ukraine any longer. I'm in southern Turkey, in the town of Osmanie. I'm going to be here for the next couple of days to raise awareness and raise support for the people of Turkey and Syria who are suffering as a result of this 7.8 magnitude earthquake. If you have the ability to donate, please do so through the links in my bio, and let's help these people out. Pull that shit up, Jamie. The old world is ending. And we have the opportunity to rethink everything. This is a show about the systemic problems in our world. And the real solutions we have today. To transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse. To create an abundantly advanced collaborative society. That sustains all life. You may think it's an impossible dream. But the alternative is an inevitable nightmare. We're your hosts, Matt Holton. Amanda Smith. And Zachary Marlowe. And together, we can move past this economic absurdity and come together to actualize our collective potential to create something completely new. We are Mindless Society. No expectation, no map, except for like an old crinkly medieval map with dragons on the corners. That's like, uh, you know, don't go there, don't go there. We're, we're filling in the map as we go, right? Here there so be monsters. That's uh, the basic idea of this episode with the very great Charles McBride, who uh, I connected with on Instagram and you know other dark corners of the World Wide Web where there be dragons. Uh, <laughs> adventure, the adventure of revolution, of helping, of of doing your duty to the world. So uh, Charles and I connected on the World Wide Web as you do, and I just I really just deeply connect with with your like sense of. Uh, I think I said something to you like, uh, I think we share a common myth that like mm. there's something to the way you move through the world, the way you construct meaning, the way you make it into a big joke, but also take it very seriously and and have uh, achieve this level of uh, flow through the world, through being able to travel and experience great places and go to foreign lands and experience, behold, be beholden to many wonders, but also do it for a purpose. And I, I think the general sort of idea I'd love to riff on, and I'm just going to wind you up and then I'm going to throw the ball your way and we're going to keep going back and forth because we've never done this in person. We've just been chatting for like literally months. But uh, it's that this idea that like when I describe my lifestyle to people or talk about the quest or the, the mythic journey that is like, do something about it. The world is on fire. Do something about it. It. people get they get scared they get they and they're always like telling me things like oh you're you're so unhappy or or that that's a, such a burden you need to take a, a you know you need to relax or you need to take away from it and i'm just always i was like you, you don't understand like this is the source of my joy this is the source of a wonder of like being able to go out there and take on a great burden take on a great task something that's maybe even impossible 
take it away. Yeah, man. I love that. I love that sentiment. Um, I think that's a really beautiful way of describing the challenge uh, and the adventure of doing the type of stuff that I think you and I are trying to do. And again, whenever people ask me what I do, I find that increasingly difficult to say um, because over the past couple of years, months, I have done everything from documentary filmmaking to freelance uh, videography, photography, graphic design, social media consulting, um, government contracting and business consulting and, and, and everything like that, along with like a fair amount of, of humanitarian uh, fundraising. Um, so when people ask what I do and I've started saying whatever's next <laughs> um, because I found it impossible to predict kind of where I'm going to be um, in my life in in six months or eight months when uh people people ask me where are you based i just say i'm just based yeah just just based based comma in la (laughs) um yeah that's a way of saying that that i'm homeless you know (laughs) right so i i am i'm lucky to have a home and I'm, i'm happy to be based um and based in la but, um, you know, who knows for how long? I, I love it here. I have, I have a great set of friends. And I think it kind of surprises people when they find out I live in L.A. They associate the city with um, vapidity and, and ego. And maybe that's, that doesn't surprise people then because I'm full of both of those things. But, um, yeah, I, I think about this episode is like, is like two, two uh, <laughs> oddly photogenic boys with main character syndrome go off on a on a, a journey into the i don't know <laughs> yeah I, was about to say, I mean you know like what what more could the world want but two blonde straight two dudes on <laughs> looking blonde white norwegian looking white boys going on yeah oh here they come they're gonna save us how much do we have to offer the world genuinely i i've been quite um torn up about that recently. I've stepped away from like a lot of activism type related work simply because I think there's better voices than me on a lot of these issues. Um, like the Ukraine conflict is getting to a point where there's just a lot of people who are better at talking about it than me and a lot of other people that should be listened to. So I feel like I should just signal boost them instead of, you know, butting into that conversation, which is how it feels like to me. In reality, people are asking like, hey, what's your perspective on this? And even Ukrainians are being like, hey, could you say something about that? In that case, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. But in general, I think like with a lot of these issues, um, anything from, you know, deforestation in in the Amazon to um, the war in Ukraine to, you know, the issue with the ongoing issues with uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan and, and, and Syria and Turkey, I just feel like I'm getting to a point where I'm like, you know what? Maybe as a cishet white dude, I should kind of just shut up. And then I don't. And I keep talking. <laughs> I think that's a really important thing like to, to talk about, the importance of like leavening and leveling yourself and understanding privilege, understanding how much privilege it takes to be able to move through the world and go on these quests and adventures and things like that. Um, and to understand that like there is no savior, you know? There is no messiah. Like like no individual is going to save the world but i think ultimately everybody finding their quest not in an individualistic sense not in the nine randian sense as someone said years ago when i tried to explain this to them but it's like finding the thing that 
you feel like you were put on this earth to do the function that you have in this like cosmic ecology and the, the role that you have to play in this like this cataclysmic adventure this this like meteors heading toward the earth all the fucking monsters are here <laughs> like and we have to do something about it and i think there the quest is itself finding your purpose in that and simultaneously getting the fuck over yourself like completely getting over your idea of you as an individual person as somebody with a mouth and hands and all these things and sort of like realigning yourself with this with this sense and this consciousness of like being a part of the bigger thing being a part of the earth being a part of this larger story yeah absolutely I, I like what you said about how you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of monsters to slay i think a lot about that shakespeare quote from the tempest um hell is empty and all the devils are here i think is a really beautiful way of describing that both because as as a child growing up in an evangelical community hell was this overarching thing but it was all you know it defined every aspect of my existence but it was always something elsewhere and I think as I've grown, I've, and, and I always felt like my, my everyday life was sort of semi-meaningless in this sort of opaque suburban existence of like a lower middle class white person living in America. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't quite realize that there, there, there are demons to slay and dragons to slay. And I think as I got older um, and started seeing the world as it as it is rather than as i'd been told it was um you realize that there are there are battles of mythic proportions that have to be done on this plane and they can't really wait till the next one um and i think if you can find identity in doing that without being overwhelmed then that can give you a tremendous amount of meaning in your life um you know and, and you have to avoid the temptation to sort of myopically uh make that all about you and see that as your own you can you can recognize the importance of your own personal journey but also you need to subject that to the collective experience of humanity as a whole and um there's enough people with egos out there trying to save the world <laughs> or get us off this world and send us into space so it's important to realize um, that there's a fair amount of humility needed if you're going to take on projects like that of that enormous size yeah, it's like uh, being able to tune yourself to the side quests. Yeah. Being able to walk through the world and listen, you know, and actually pay attention to like, what is the need here? Like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and all these people think of themselves, I think probably in a heroic light, like I'm helping them, I'm saving them, I'm going to get on a helicopter and a, or a spaceship and they're doing this heroic thing when in reality they're not listening to what the people need. They're listening to what they're trying to position themselves or, or thrust themselves into this like hero shape instead yeah. of just doing the work and being like a servant of humanity being a servant of this planet and and uh dissolving that ego that sense of me that sense of personal accomplishment that sense of like victory and com and triumph and uh you know like i love this tagore quote he said like um he who um he said he who uh understands that oh he who plants trees knowing he will never sit in their shade has begun to understand the meaning of life that mm -hmm. like it is a never-ending journey and like like what you were saying about the suburbs and the blandness of existence and this idea that like all the lands have been discovered everything's been uncovered you know capitalism is the end of history there's no more great accomplishments we just have to tweak things we just have to keep improving what we've already done and instead right. of leaving this 
constructed atmosphere, this bubble, this like walled city, like place like New York or LA is like a castle under this dark spell of money, you know, and and to be able to see them in mythic terms, I think is a, is a a liberation is an escape from that, but an escape into life, not an escape away from it. Like Hollywood movies are. Yeah. It's the city of destruction. It is. You got to go on your own little journey. Um, Yeah. I, I think that it probably took us all a little bit, of time to kind of wake up to the idea that the end of history wasn't happening. I think for me, it was around 2016, 2017. I think for a lot of people seeing the Trump administration and realizing the adults weren't in charge or the adults that were in charge had no idea what was going on was this big, like, oh shit moment (laughs) for a lot of different people. Um, And they realized, oh, the tinkering doesn't work. There's there's a fundamental flaw here. And I think um, for some people that became crushingly overwhelming and for others they they saw that as the occasion to 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 rise to the occasion and um and do something about it i think for me it was both at first i was just overwhelmed and depressed for like two or three years feeling there was nothing to be done about climate nothing to be done about any of this and then um just sort of by grace was pulled and pulled myself out of that and into sort of the mode in which i guess you encountered me um, which is as part-time shitposting leftoid uh, TikToker, um, part humanitarian <laughs> activist, part free- someone described me as a freelance humanitarian. I'm like, I guess that works. I, I describe you as a righteous dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, 2015 or 2016, I, I would like, the 2016 thing was really funny for me and COVID was funny for me too because I, I was like just on a very different wave than most people through those experiences, like very much in the margins of society watching from outside. Like 2015, I had a complete crack up mental breakdown, like reading Carl Jung's Red Book, like started smoking weed for the first time, like <laughs> had visions of the apocalypse and just extremely brutal uh articulate like scenes in my head of how this was all going to happen of like Mm -hmm. okay the bees are going extinct that means the whole trophic cascade of the whole like ecosystemic web of life is going to fall apart you know we're going to be i I just had very vivid images of like this this movie that my my, i realized the world was cracking up my brain was like okay what do i do make a movie about it because that's all you know how to do and so i was really like trying to construct and write this this novel or this film about time travelers like people in the future who know that the world was going to end and they're like the rich are going to go to space take all the seeds in the water and the mona lisa and fuck off to the stars the white flight into space and uh the two percent like they're our generation like oh we can afford to go to college and you know get into those debt and all that they get just get sent back in time and so we're here we end up here in this world today you know um with no idea what to do about it. Like, okay, we know the world is ending, but what the fuck do we do about it? I'm just one person. And I had Mm -hmm. a complete mental breakdown trying to write that, trying to communicate that, trying to like make sense of the world, you know, drinking a lot, just destroyed myself completely. Just like crashed on the rocks of all my little egotistic fantasies, just burned the fuck up. And Mm -hmm. uh, I just like started just kind of very unconsciously just drifted toward what I always wanted to do was like go on an adventure. So I started Mm -hmm. hitchhiking. So through 2015, like I'm, I'm like in the cab of like, like uh, semi trucks, listening to the radio about like Donald Trump and the debates and all some truckers like, what do you think about Trump? You know, like some dude, some dude in a dive bar in, in fucking Mississippi is like, what do you think about Bernie Sanders? You know, and I'm like, I'm seeing all this stuff like in this, like yeah. sleeping in ditches and waking up in beautiful girls' houses or like on the rump jumping from rooftop to rooftop in Santa Fe, New Mexico, or like, 
you know, getting getting attacked by a bear in fucking Colorado, just, you know, going what? through this very different kind of lifestyle and seeing things from a very different perspective. So when things get got worse and worse and worse for people, especially like when COVID cracked, that was like all of that coming to head in COVID. And everyone was like, this is the end of the world. I was like, no, it's not. This is the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, finally, you, you people really people have... Like, you have been, been Cormac maxing. Um, no wonder you <laughs> took his loss deeply. That's that's a very wow. That's very beat generation of you. Oh, I, I went to Santa Fe to try to find him. Like I went to the Santa Fe Institute, this like groundbreaking complexity institute. Didn't even really know what it was. I tried to find him, and he wasn't there. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God he didn't encounter this fucking little uh, little mythopoetic twerp. <laughs> That's, that's quite that's no, quite he, a descriptor so just to give a shout out to him cormac mccarthy my my like hero you know like reading that guy's books changed my life changed my perception of the world like i'd read his books and i'd look up and i'd be able to describe the world in this more vivid more beautiful darker sweeter you know more uh bleak but also like starkness of, of all people like really stands out in the way that that myth and literature and fantasy and sci-fi and this is something else we really i think relate to and connect with that like we do have that ability to filter our perception through this literary artistic you know storytelling lens so yeah, yeah. i love the fucking pirate posting i love the dune posting i just I, I i see that you're like a fucking total fantasy dork but that's a really important way like to gird yourself against the horror is to be able to see, oh, this is a story. This is recognizable. This, this isn't just some horrible fucked up thing. This is the like yeah. inciting incident. Yeah, I, I think it can be. Um, inciting incident is quite the quite the phrase. I think also, I mean, my, my undergraduate degree was in history. I, I had a degree in history and comparative religion. And so when I think about all this stuff, I have to think about it against the backdrop of like every other thing that's that's happened. Um, not to be too grandiose, but when people talk about, you know, Donald Trump being the end of the world or COVID being the end of the world, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. There's, there's, there's been times that have been way worse than this. There was, there was a year in the sixth century where like a third of Europe died of the plague and a volcano blotted out the sky and all the crops failed. And... And it was generally regarded to be the worst year ever. And then it happened again, you know, in the in the 15th century. So it's I, I think there are times that have been worse than this. But there is also a grandiosity to this particular period in our time where we might be the generation that. It's kind of cool because we weren't the generation that caused it's Anthropocene kind of extinction. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, we're, we're, like we can't be blamed. We can't be blamed as the generation that caused Anthropocene extinction, but we might be the generation who stops it, um, which is kind of exciting when you really think about, in, in terms of all the great stories that have ever been told, you know, the ones that really mattered. This could be the one that matters most. Is is a bunch of idiots saving the world somehow? We again, we don't know, <laughs> haven't got that far yet. But um, <laughs> a ragtag group of underdogs, halflings, yeah. little little people who live under the hills, exactly, out and uh, having to get over their internet addiction and <laughs> save the fucking world. Right, exactly. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. It's it's a uh, no, we do yeah, not. Know. We're the ones we've been waiting for. Yeah, I, I feel like this is a, a refrain on this show and, and like something that I, I feel like is really important to re repeat to people, especially our generation, our very lost 
generation who was born into this most interesting and most boring, most contradictory, most strange and confusing and delightful and just weird time in history. Uh, there's like a Chinese insult that's like, may you live through interesting times. Yeah. And that's what we're living through now. But that we are born into the circumstances that we played in our backyard, like with a plow, wooden sword, you know, like, like the world is ending. The forces of darkness have the control. They have the ring. They have the MacGuffin. They have the fucking super laser, whatever it is. And we have to stop them against all odds. And we have to go through this world and figure out who the fuck we are. And we have yeah. to cast off all the internalized monsters and demons that, you know, come from being raised by monsters and realizing I was raised by monsters, you know, yeah. and that I am the monster. And like Joseph Campbell said, all the gods, all the monsters, all the demons are within us. And it's that internal conflict of reckoning with that and purifying ourselves and um, discovering that bigger story that engulfs us all, that yeah. we are just little specks on the horizon on this golden burning sunset moving with our little with our little mule across the horizon across that line like one little fire in the darkness that's us that's what we have to be one little led light in the, in the night yeah and i think also as part of that you mentioned joseph campbell recognizing that we have the capacity inside of us to be saint francis of assisi or meister eckhart or um you know, Fred Hampton uh, or, or Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler, you know, and, and, and I think that that's a, a very sobering approach to all of this is that while we are jazzed up about saving the world and everything, we have to remember that um, we must constantly check our own motivations and, and approach every, every problem like that um, with a great deal of humility and a firm conviction that we might be wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, the, uh, that's the, that's the like truth of the shadow that we could be any of those people and our motive, our righteous, pure motivations could be what drives us to do utterly horrible things. Right. I mean, we, Ted Kaczynski just died. I mean, great example of somebody. And I, I was throwing the pot in a group chat the other day about this. And I said, Ted didn't go far enough, <laughs> but it's like, he was justified motivationally. And what he did, but what he did was fucking stupid and senseless and cruel and, you know, ineffective. I mean, it's like, come on, yeah, you and, and, and morally, morally wrong on, in a certain sense. You know, I think so when you take a figure like Ted Kaczynski, you're talking about the judgment of history and history was initially quite harsh on him, you know, but as time has gone on, suddenly he seems like a slightly more tragic and even heroic figure. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. You know, if if people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk actually do figure out a way to save the world, well, then history is going to be very kind to them. But if they used up all of this time and space and not to mention lots of resources and public resources, which were given to them in the form of tax breaks, incentives, et cetera, and they don't manage to do that, well, then history is going to be very harsh on them. It's kind of hard to tell right now. Um, and again, the longer you play out that game of history, think about, I mean, growing up, you know, George Washington was the consummate American. You know, we, we think about George Washington in these sort of semi-reverential terms. Again, that's also largely because of how, you know, whitewashed the history was in regard to George Washington. But now, I mean, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a pretty strong case to be made that George Washington was a fairly terrible guy. 
Um, he by he the wore world. other slaves' teeth. He didn't have wooden teeth. He wore his slaves' teeth in his mouth. He said, right. go out to the field, pick the nicest, shiniest, pearly whites you got, whip them, them out, out of that man's house, a human and put being. them in mine. Take what? them out of a human being's mouth and wear them in his own. And this is the man who's the father of our country. You know, it, so again, it depends on how long you decide to play that historical game out and how social values change um, to see how judgment will be passed on you. So that's, uh, yeah, kind of dark. <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, you know, it's within that is a polarity. You know, it's dark and in contrast, light is formed. You know, uh, there's a great Towns Van Zandt song. Uh, I think it's called Rex's Blues, or he says, uh, uh, there ain't no dark till something shines. I, I can't remember the whole refrain. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. One of those songs that uh, kept me kept me going on on the road on some uh, some shitty Texas town. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I didn't realize that you've been in this sort of drifter mindset for a long time. I thought that this I thought your breakdown to Colombia was sort of a you were going on a, a, a tear. You were you were enjoying the a newfound freedom of sorts. But it seems like this has sort of been a lifestyle for you for a while. Yeah, I, I realized the other day that uh, like 10 years ago, um, when I was, I was 23, or wait, no. Yeah, it was like 10, 7 or 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago, 2023. 10 years ago, like I had this revelation about climate crisis, about the bees, that like this whole mythic thing, thread in my life. We're going to do an episode soon about bees, so I won't go too deep into it. But <laughs> um, yeah, I had this like crazy inciting incident like this this total complete mental breakdown and um ended up back in my folks house like an absurd mental breakdown too you know <laughs> like like it destroyed my car doing calzone pizza deliveries after like children shot at our house in atlanta south south atlanta like just a crazy thing and i end up back in my mom's house like laying in this like my little brother's room with cowboy wallpaper and i was just like i'm gonna be this piece of shit forever and I really wanted to die. Like I wanted to die. I wanted to end myself. And um, I just didn't, you know, it wasn't like, it was just like some unconscious mathematic, you know, I just didn't. And I yeah. ended up like just a dream sort of was born. Where it was just like, all right, I'm going to work at this shitty restaurant. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to get some boots. I'm going to get a backpack and I'm going to do the video game thing that I was born to do, which is just go wander. And uh, first I went into a, uh, my, my friend Madi, one of my great friends, who's a comedian in, in uh, New York City now. We had our own kind of parallel journeys, finding ourselves. Uh, he was a truck driver, semi-truck driver, and I like just jumped in his truck, basically, and, and we like rode around for a couple weeks. A, a buddy comedy, a literal, a literal buddy comedy vehicle. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, from there, I went to, took a bus in New Orleans, uh, fucked around a bit, took acid on Bourbon Street, Got kicked out of a fucking strip club for asking about politics, just stupid shit. And then I, I uh, like walked up to the highway. I was like, okay, this is it. Uh, I like wrote West on a fucking banana leaf and like put my thumb out and a human being picked me up and put me in her car. And I just started going from, from like completely randomized, random number generator slash like fingers of the universe guiding the pieces through the board like every day a different person taking me to a different place, altering my course and just very profoundly eroding like my sense of control, my sense that like I need to be in control, that I'm like, I have to figure this out because it was just all like 
laid out before me, you know, like the, the Tao, you know, Zen, Buddhismo, like it was just like the whole, this whole journey of journeys was just there. And it's, it's just gotten richer and richer over the years. And so it, it, in like having this conversation, it's important for me to convey that because that was for me, like for a long time, that was the medicine that I felt like I had to convey to people. Like you can just fucking go, you can, you don't need money. You don't need anything. You can, you can find heaps of perfectly good food wrapped in plastic in the expiration date in the dumpster of whole foods. You can eat organic and fucking sleep out on the range and the whole American fucking dream. You can do it. You don't need money. You don't need a job. You don't need a house. And I came back, you know, to like share the boon after adventures on adventures, like ending up in the fucking cannabis jungles of Northern California, like in this crazy Harry Potter world of like French and Italian and Spanish drifters and like flower people and old wizards and just magic is real, dude. Just like the whole thing. <laughs> but I, and no one wanted to hear about it. No one cared because everyone was too stuck in their own little uh, yeah. video game illusion being non-player characters or, you know, not everyone has what's that what's that phrase it's like um it's uh something anesthesia but it's like the realization that everyone has just as complex and rich a life as you do and i tr truly believe oh, that it's called sonder sonder yeah. yeah the sonder that i don't want to like be one of those people that like those uh those narcissistic spiritualists or those people that I met along the road that are like, yeah, I'm like hacking the matrix and like manifesting my own reality. Yeah. All of them um, ended up becoming anti-vaxxers probably. <laughs> yeah. And accidentally. Like, drink I, you. I just felt like it was so important to communicate that and no one could really understand it. And I'm, you know, thankfully like not because that's not, that's not it. I had to keep going. I had to keep seeking and I'm yeah. always seeking and the adventure just keeps getting better. And the more of myself is like worn away, like the tread of my shoes, the more beautiful it gets, the more useful I become and the more other people out there that I find that are on that same journey like you. Yeah, man. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Um, that's also, I mean, that's a crazy story. That's, I, that's <laughs> really interesting. Um, like I, I want to dig into crazy stories. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely want to dig into that more with you and I one on one sometime because I bet you've got some pretty good fireside stories about all that. Um, it requires a lot of courage and a lot of discipline, and you know it sounds very romantic, but I can only imagine the hardships that you went through sort of during that process. And again, it's not available to everyone, you know, depending on your physical well being and your your dependence and all that sort of thing. But um, I think for those who it is available to, that's got to be quite an adventure. I was a bit of a latecomer to all that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a comfort-driven individual, ironically. Uh, very much a Baggins rather than a Took. And it took me a long time to kind <laughs> of slowly fill in the corners of my adventure map. Um, I definitely didn't go running out the door you know without a without a waistcoat <laughs> um into refusal the, of the call sorry it's the refusal of the call it's the second yeah. part of the hero's journey exactly I, say, no, I gotta stay in bed like five more minutes i don't want to do yeah. that I, I got my pipe i got my hearth <laughs> yeah totally and i was i think i had this like i had these dreams of being a world traveling, adventuring, all this sort of stuff. And I had, I, I always had kind of a high sort of pro-social tendency, which was mostly um, absorbed by the church growing up. 
But it, it took a long time for me to feel comfortable doing the type of stuff. And I would say kind of Ukraine and, and, and Turkey being the, the culmination of that um, long journey. But I remember when I like, when I spent a month in Vietnam, I was like, okay, I had built up my power level really high to be able to do that. Like my comfort with traveling and, you know, I'd unlocked that new, that new zone, like Southeast Asia. And when I was like, okay, I'm literally all the way across the world, having a time of my life, life living for a month. And like, I feel perfectly fine. I could totally do this digital nomad thing. Um, and that's when I basically made the decision to like put all my stuff at my brother's house or my parents' house and just, you know, start traveling the world and start, you know, living abroad and all that sort of stuff, go down to South America and then COVID hit and I never got the chance to do that. <laughs> so for two years I had to find, you know, a different kind of adventure, um, two or three years and did a lot of introspection, a lot of self work, uh, during that period and found out a bunch more about myself that I, I didn't really realize and needed to work on. And moved out to California, sort of had my own Westward Ho adventure, built a different kind of life out here, and then re-engaged with that initial passion for adventure and travel, um, really for the first time going back to Ukraine. So Ukraine was both my first time out of the country since COVID, except for a really brief like weekend or week in Costa Rica, which was a vacation. Um, so it was my first time doing extensive travel and certainly my first time doing anything during circumstances like that. But, you know, and as, as difficult as it was and as horrible as there were certain moments and as emotionally draining it was, it's like you just you do feel alive when you're doing that kind of work. You, you feel like you said, the colors are richer. Your life is more saturated. It feels like every conversation is deeper. You know, every every I don't know, everything, every moment is more intimate. Every connection that you make is, is, is somehow more meaningful. And yeah, I think that definitely, it was a huge confirmation of like so much that I'd been working on over the past six to 10 years. And I remember coming back from that being like, that's kind of crazy that I know what to do with my life now. <laughs> and I've carried that, that with me for the past year and a half. And that's been like, okay, I, I now know like what, what I'm here to do and it's to, to bring hope to people. Um, and, and as long as I'm doing that, then I'm, I'm living in my purpose and I can, can keep moving forward. And if I'm not doing that, then I need to reevaluate and, um, and find a way to do it again. So what, what does that mean to you? Hope? Cause that's a, that's a, that's a term that, uh, a lot of people attack especially in like the climate collapse, doom or sort of sphere, like hope is enemy number one. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I was a climate doomer for a while from about like 2019, 2018, 2019 to like 2021. Um, and it took me a while to get over that. But I, I would say, I would say despair is the enemy on the, the climate front. I mean, I would say that it robs us of our ability to act. Um, and we become bitter and recalcitrant rather than, proactive um you have to believe that there's something worth saving and capable of being saved in order to act in a real way i think in the world and if you're going to take this doomed crusade of revenge um 
I think that some people might opt for that. That's the Ted Kaczynski method. You know, look where that got him. He basically lost, you know, decades of his life behind a prison cell, unable to to do anything uh, for the world or much of anything besides be a martyr. So, yeah, I think going back to your question is what does hope mean to me? And I don't think it has to mean simply the climate thing. Um, I, I think it means a lot of different things to different people because everyone is dealing with their own version of hopelessness. It might be family that has betrayed or abandoned them. It might be mental health issues which keep them on the brink of suicide. It might be climate despair. You know, it might be <laughs> my neighboring country attacked me and wants to take everything that I have. Um, it might be you know, any any version any version of any possible tragedy that makes people fight against a feeling of hopelessness. And I have um, I have found that throughout the last ten years of my life, the one thing that I've been able to do, no matter what it was that I'm doing, is bring small nuggets of hope and inspiration to people. And I'm ready to admit that I need to be doing that rather than being afraid to embrace that out of some sort of misplaced, misguided sense of, um, of, of misplaced humility. I think proper humility is important, but I, I, I understand what I have to offer the world now and I'm, I'm ready to offer it. Well, I think that's a beautiful answer. And I, uh, so, uh, harmonize with what, what you're saying and what you're feeling and at one of the most hopeless moments of my life i was standing on a mountaintop in la in burbank um just crushed by the amount of hurt and suffering in the world i was living in my truck in that, that fucking heinous city like trying to make this film about all of it you know like another mountaintop realization like the world is ending like gotta make a film go to la and all these things came together that's a whole nother quest on its own but i was living in my truck in la and it was like this mo the most purposeful moment of my life that i was really living beyond for something bigger than me and everybody was telling me like come home or like find a house find a job you got to fill your oxygen mask first and it was just like no 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 we have to deal with this because my neighbors the people that, that lived in their cars around me told me their stories and anything I'd ever been through was like nothing to that. There were multiple yeah. times, two, there were a couple of points in my life where I was really like feeling full of myself and my own sorrow and tragedy and, and uh, other people were thrust into my perception. One in a mental hospital, this girl that was trafficked by her father and raped by her brother. And, and I went through this whole one full of cuckoo's nest thing. Uh, it's a whole nother story on its own. But she showed me, like, your problems aren't shit. And my friend Jay told me, I remember very vividly, he was, he was telling this story to me. We were cooking on the sidewalk on a jet boil. And he told me this fucking horrible story about, um, oh, it was his story, that his earliest memory was being an orphan adopted by this horrible family. And he, his brothers pulled a gun on him and pulled the trigger. And it didn't go off. And he went and told his mom. And because he interrupted her watching the news, she threw him into a swimming pool and a dog saved his life. And oh he just God. told me that, like, that's my life, you know? And every single person I met living on the streets, living in a tent, carrying their, you know, shirt on their, off, you know, all over their shoulder with no shoes on, 
you know, with a Twitch, all those people that people train out of their existence and just pretend don't exist, all of them has an incredible story that will break your fucking heart open. And so for me, it was like, we have to change society so that this doesn't happen. Not even one person deserves to go through this. And it was just like yeah. system failure, system failure, system failure, system failure. So I was on this mountaintop and I called my grandmother, like this, you know, loving, perfect influence in my life, like the most saintly person I've ever known. And I just asked her, like, why is there so much hurt in the world and what can we do about it? And she said, uh, just be an example to people. You have to be an example. You have to have values, first of all, and then you have to embody them. And I think yeah. it's really important for people to do that without making themselves a meme, without making themselves a brand or, you know, commodifying hope, commodifying revolution, commodifying social change or becoming enriching themselves through it. I think we all, you know, need the re resources we need, you know, to, to each to his need, each to his ability. And if, you, if you're able to express yourself in that way, not everyone can do that. Not everyone can get up and put on lace up their boots and go walk the world. And I think yeah. it's important for those people to share what they have and to speak to it, to speak truth to power, to, to find the words. Like I think about like the, the native chiefs of, of uh, the Americas. So, uh, many of them had power that extended to the tip of their tongue, which means for them to convince somebody of something, they had to, for them to make somebody do something, they had to convince them of it. So or oration, language, rhetoric, zeal, symbolism myth storytelling rousing you know all the bard skills in D, &D you know are really important especially yeah. in a time of such hate and and dis, dis, despair and dismissal and nihilism and like you said there's a certain amount of magic to that um i think it was alistair crowley who said that magic is simply the <laughs> the bending of reality in accordance with will you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's all it is. And you can do that. Yeah. You can do that through like weird satanic sex rituals, or you can do it through the word, the tongue. Well, that's, um, to kind of, uh, bring us into the end point here of our first pod. Cause I'm sure we'll be doing this again. We can riff, you know, for, for ages. I mean, I, I, uh, just truly appreciate what you're putting out into the world. I feel a, a sense of brotherhood, companionship, you know, and like this, this really um, inspiring continual feeling that I experience that like, thank God there's other people out there walking the walk and fighting and doing it. You know, there's other people that get it. There's other people that are paying attention. There's other people that are not even just like without with a blind urge to go out and do are studying and reading and trying to understand and seeking, you know, and that's uh, something I definitely relate to. So kind of on the in wrapping this kind of first little pod up um i'm trying to think of what what really to get into uh i'll be autonomy supportive here what do you feel like saying what do you feel like uh in, in this conversation of like changing our story of this adventure or revolution uh what do you what do you feel like is important that we should get back into yeah so i, I think that one of the things that um you know, I think you and I know each other through several contexts, but one of them would be sort of an interesting kind of left space on Instagram and TikTok that's been developing with people giving alternative perspectives, kind of young uh, left-leaning individuals who are trying to be offer perspectives that are critical of capitalism or critical of different aspects of capitalism, that sort of thing. Um, 
And, and I think one of the things, there's a great romance to the idea of sort of a, a singular revolution that's going to set everything right. But I, I guarantee you can't point to any revolution that's ever set everything right. Um, certainly not some of the high-profile pro, high ones from the left. And so I think when we think of this idea of revolution as an adventure or as something, as a sort of grand concept, it's important to remember that there can be many small revolutions and that that is a much more sustainable goal to be working towards than waiting around for the the marxist leninists to get (laughs) everything together for this grand seizure of power it's just not how it's going to work and if it does work that way then you know i mean at least in my perspective the way that i approach the left is i think that i think that resistance to a or suspicion of a of an unlawful power uh, and an unlawful authority needs to be resistance to authority itself. And that's why I tend to go on the left libertarian, uh, fall on the left libertarian side, because I think that you could take the most ardent revolutionary, put him in a position of power, and he would turn into a tyrant overnight. Um, or if not overnight, then, then very quickly, just simply due to the pressures that that kind of centralization of power creates. It is a feature of the system rather than a bug, as far as I'm concerned. That's why everyone needs to read Dune. Uh, part one and two. But uh, so one of the things I would say is as we're working towards this, I don't think we need to keep in our our idea uh, in our brain this idea of some sort of glorious, you know, all encompassing revolution. Like we blow up the Death Star and suddenly everything's OK. It's not how it's going to work. Um, however, fighting for a multitude of small revolutions that piece by piece um, win back kind of the map of, of our lives and of dignity um, for, for working people, for indigenous people, um, for, for, for everyone who's become a victim of sort of the, the systemic failures that, that we've all been subjected to. Um, I think that you've been, you've been fighting for those in, um, you know, in the land of the Tyrona and, and down in, in Colombia. I think you've been you've been fighting small revolutions and small and achieving small victories there. You know, uh, other people are doing the same thing. They see the war in Ukraine as a front in that crusade. And I think that in terms of encouraging people to finding that adventure, I don't think you need to, to be caught up in some sort of grand narrative about what is and what is not revolutionary. And you should try and, you know, as best you can um, create these, these, small revolutions that that take back territory from people who've taken it from us in online spaces in offline spaces in uh, in nature in our cities um in things like the nonprofit industry um things like philanthropy i think it's important to to claim victories in all of those spaces and i hope that it's more encouraging and feels more manageable for people to do that on a smaller scale um, and realize that it's going to be our collective collective effort that brings about the larger change through you know the falling of small stones that starts an avalanche. Um, so we don't have to. Everyone just needs to be a small stone, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I think um, the first reflection of that is that uh, in overcoming the individualism, not just in structures of power, but in our own understanding of ourselves like a big part of the Tao Te Ching is about ending the controller in your own head 
and sort of dethroning yourself as the savior of your own life even. I mean, I think we all need sovereignty and autonomy within ourselves and we need to figure out what it is that is individual about us and our life and our skill set that we are here to do something purposeful, that we have a purpose, we have a role in this ecosystem. Uh, but ultimately, it's collective shr- struggle, collective liberation, and being able to weave all of these individual stories into something greater, some grander narrative that we participate in together. And that's not one tapestry. That's not one rope. That's many threads, many fibers, many mixed metaphors <laughs> yeah. uh, all over the place. I was, I was about to say, the revolution is a tapestry, not a cord. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that I think we need to find that balance between freely interpreting it and thinking we need to reinvent the wheel and and people like becoming obsessed with these past movements and ideologies. And I just find all that stuff highly irrelevant. I think what we have to do is transition every institution in our society towards something holistic and systemic toward new systems entirely, you know, new modes of production, new power relations and new ways for us to come together and organize and share and share what we have, you know, and not just focus on the individual happy ending. I mean, the hero's journey doesn't end when the hero rides off in the Corvette with the girl and the sword and the, you know, they've slayed the monster. It's bringing that wisdom, that boon, that cup of water of, of life giving substance back to the people and empowering other people through your story, through what you go through. So I think it's very important for people to find their own way out. And I think we have to, we are depersonalized in this culture and told there are no more stories and that we have no, you know, individual part to play in this. But I, and I think we need to break out of that and, and find who we are, but who we are is ultimately who we are to others, not just who we are to ourselves and our own gratification. And I'm, very grateful that I'm at a different stage in my life right now than I was when I was way freer, when there were way less problems. You said earlier, like, oh, it must have been so difficult for you to hitchhike and all this stuff. That was so fucking easy. It was the easiest thing I've ever done. Everything was there waiting for me. Couch, girl, food, meals, fucking, you know, a uh, whole group of, you know, banjo playing musicians just waiting for the, you know, mountain town in a beautiful place. That's like, I think about that sometimes that and things are really, really hard to change things, to do things for other people. I think that, you know, oh, it would be so easy if I didn't care. It would be so easy if I could just fuck off and go find my own bliss. But it's it's way less satisfying in the long run than, than sharing in something, than finding your brothers and your sisters yeah. and your siblings and your community and your tribe and to see something form. Colombia is a beautiful place because you can see things forming. You can see it happen one community at a time, one little town at a time. It's crazy and chaotic and dark and fucked up, but you can actually see a possibility for things changing. And um, that's such a beautiful way to talk about Colombia. We haven't even really had a chance to talk about Colombia, but um, I had the exact same impression. That's why I loved that country. I felt like it was a country on the precipice of change. Um, it was it was in the process of change. It felt like a country where change was possible, and every young person that I met was excited about the prospect of what Colombia could become, you know, um, rather than upset about their past, which is incredibly dark. <laughs> and it's like yeah, I always think about that, you know. You know we, we, we're 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 cis hat white dudes, like. <laughs> You know, we have our we have our issues, um, and those shouldn't be. I mean, we shouldn't just collapse those into nothingness because they're real. But like, 
we can't give up on this thing because if indigenous communities in the Amazon have been fighting this for 500 years, then what's our right to like throw in the towel? You know, if black and indigenous people of color in the United States have been fighting a 300 year battle against the government for their own autonomy and rights, then like what right do we have to throw in the towel? Like we, we just simply don't get the option to quit at this point. Um, we do get that option objectively in society because we're cis white people who can just tap out of activism and you see that a lot. But in terms of our own journeys, no, we, we don't get that option. Like, and there is support to be found in those communities who've been fighting forever. This is not a new battle for them um, and everything that they're dealing with. You know, the Ukrainians have been fighting Russian imperialism and in, in, in the desire to subsume their culture and take their land for hundreds of years. <laughs> and that's why they're not giving up now. You know, um, indigenous communities in the Amazon have been fighting imperial overreach for for hundreds of years and they're still out there and 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 they're they're resisting in a very real way and that's incredibly inspiring and it's also the reason why we can't stop we just don't we don't get that off switch it's not an option as far as i see it yeah i think that we can take breaks like we can we can recharge but we yeah i think we're we need to be into this up to the hilt it's a beautiful way to put it. I mean, I think that the the happy ending doesn't come personally. That the personal happy ending, that the uh, acquiring or acquisition of of individual dreams, of individual satisfaction, and and finding the girl and and getting the house and the job and all that stuff. If that happens for all of us individually, the fucking world is going to end because we're not connected to that larger story. We're not connected to that larger yeah. thing. If all the if all of the cishet white people born with the greatest fucking uh, I'm thinking about my friend Michael right now, who's like we were driving in through L.A. It was like when uh, George Floyd was happening and he had his megaphone out in his car and he's just driving through like on Santa Marta fucking Boulevard or whatever, where right right up by the ocean. He's just yelling Black Lives Matter. He's just yelling this fucking crazy radical speech about like liberation theology and and uh, all this stuff. And he's just like. He's just like, are you kidding me? I was born an able-bodied cis white man in fucking 2020, whatever. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I have the the greatest amount of privilege possible. I'm going to burn this fucking candle out at both ends. I'm going to burn this life up. I'm going to use every drop of privilege that was given to me for other people to make a difference, mm. to relinquish the undue authority and power that I was given just by having this skin. But the skin is a passport. And the privileges that I have had in this life uh, allow me to do things other people couldn't do. And it's like having a magic power. Like, is it manifestation or is it privilege? And that's a really important thing to question. But it's also really important. I was driving in a fucking car in Atlanta with these drunk driving fucking film dickheads and and, uh, basically talking about privilege. And I was like, the the worst thing you can do with privilege is piss it away. Like it's 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 worse than anything to have privilege and just piss it the fuck away, and they were like, "That's, that's, that's insulting. That's that's offensive. <laughs> that's reverse racism." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then also to do so with humility, like the humility thing. I keep coming back to, especially we didn't get a chance to talk too much spirituality, but like one of the, my biggest problems with the new age and spirituality is, insofar as it manifests in like the Southern California wellness cults and everything is that like flashback new spirituality yeah new spirituality of the like Eckhart Tolle and you know what whatever variety the Oprah Winfrey chicken soup for the soul like one of the things that it does not emphasize is humility and if there's something that I think I really actually appreciate about my like hyper Calvinist upbringing 
is <laughs> the idea of tempering any sort of spiritual success or spiritual enlightenment with a high dose of humility. And the same goes for political and interpersonal success and everything. Like, you know, self-hatred is not good, but I think humility in terms of what you've accomplished or what you've seen and that sort of thing or, or, or the approach that you're taking um, I don't have the confidence to 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 be like your friend and be like, yes, I'm going to burn my life up for this particular cause because I, I'm never completely sure that whatever cause I'm promoting at the time is like either that it's the right thing or that I'm doing it in the right way. You know, I struggle with those doubts all the time. So I think you have to have a space for that and you have to have some humility and accumulate some of these things by accretion rather than just burning bright and fast. Um, but that might be a personal preference rather than a, than a prescription. I'll, I'll encourage you personally to uh, burn bright, burn a little brighter to, uh, you know, <laughs> kick the fucking uh, <laughs> circular uh, hobbit hole door open and, and uh, get out there, you know? Because uh, the, yeah, man, somebody else gave me similar advice today. So maybe maybe the the universe is, is speaking through its various vessels. Well, also, uh, also, I I think I mean I'm trying I'm like trying to manifest. You know, I'm trying to manifest like going back to L.A. to finish my fucking movie. So it'd be cool to have be IRL yeah. homies. But um, yeah, there's there's a well, if you more. Do, go ahead. I was gonna say if you do, then I can probably arrange that you don't have to be in your car this time. <laughs> Excellent. In Burbank, uh, there's there's like more that we can talk place. about, and um, and we will do that more. We're going to talk about D and D. We're going to talk about spirituality. We're going to talk about social ecology. We, we can talk about all kinds of shit. But um, I, I I feel like we're kind of running up on time here. Um, but I I want you to close us out here, Charles, with uh, some fucking hope, some of that good good, some of that juicy juicy, some of that <laughs> some of that life giving nourishment, some of that purpose, some of that why you're here. Bring us on out here, sure, the chief. Yeah, absolutely. I would say uh, when well, you're feeling real down, quick, real quick, before you do this, no, I'm gonna put some fucking Lord of the Rings music underneath. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. give us a rouse, brother. <laughs> Clang the okay. swords. I would say, yeah, I, I think it's okay to lean into the the grandiosity and the the, yeah. the myth making aspect yeah. of your life. I think that. Seeing your life as one of those great stories is one of the, the healthiest ways to, to cope with the, the gray city that is late stage capitalism and the way that it robs us of autonomy and myth um, and then commodifies it and packages it and sells it to us in the form of entertainment. I think seeing your life as, as that adventure and then embracing that and leaning into it can be one of the most meaningful things. Um, in terms of technical prescriptions, I would say uh, read Bookchin, um, watch Andor, um, be gay, do crime, arm your friends, all of, all of the all of the normal things. Um, but particularly watch uh, watch Marva Andor's speech from the TV series um, if you're ever feeling bad, and Karis Nimick's manifesto speech uh, in general i think that 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 tv series is just about the best thing for like sad leftists <laughs> uh to watch in order to get a little bit of hope um and yeah just like visit widows and orphans in their distress and keep yourself unstained by the world 
Give me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crank up the Lord of the Rings music a little more, and 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 uh, I'm just gonna ask for a little more, Charles. I, I'm not, I don't feel roused right now. I'm not gonna go watch those shows. I, I need you to, I need you to, to rattle the saber, brother. Have you not watched about. Andor, man? No, we'll we'll uh, we'll watch it together. How about that? I don't watch TV alone. That's I used to. I used to fucking watch a, a serial television on DVD, physical disc. That's how fucked up I was back in the day of X Files. And I'd have a, a laptop with like instant messenger, and I'd be playing a fucking 1080p video game at the same time. I was I was a fucking hardcore escapist. So yeah, I'll then on that doing like the, on that point of like it's like the subway surfer on the TikTok like <laughs> overstimulation. To the, to the max and, and i think at heart escapism can be very good like to escape into reality not just it, it, like we need to escape from our problems we need to escape from the pettiness of credit card debt and student loans and you know shitty jobs like we literally need to walk away from that stuff we literally need to say no and i'm going to figure it out and I'm going to like collectivize and I'm going to practice what I preach. I'm not going to read all these books. I'm going to actually practice mutual aid. I'm going to figure out how to collectivize with my friends. We're going to figure out how to do this. We're going to build a community. We're going to bring in as many people as we can. We're going to consult and oh, the light went out. Shit. <laughs> Hang on one second. All right. That's that's you. I'm out. Um, that was my cue. I got the wrap it up music. You got to you got to rouse us home. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say in terms of your final point, um, I think making making sure that people know that they don't have to shoulder these these burdens alone um that the tiny investments and the seeds that we sow in our daily lives with our families with our communities with strangers that we meet strangers who live next door um those are the things that can be called upon to get us through the worst times uh it's those investments that will come back around in order to to have communities that flourish, whether it's the community garden you're involved with or a reading group or some sort of mutual aid activity. I think exactly like you said, it's important not to lose yourself in theory. Um, all of our heroes were, some of them maybe new new theory, but uh, most of them lived by example. And it was through their example that we developed hope and optimism for what an alternative future could look like. Um, so I would say, there are always going to be doubters. There are always going to be people. There are always going to be an army of tankies on TikTok who are going to drag you uh, publicly and ferociously for a long time. Um, nevertheless, keep your head up and yeah, continue to find ways to to build community in your daily life. And um, don't be afraid to rely on on others to to get you through, um, because that's that's what we're here for. None of us is here to do it alone. All right. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, we will pick this up and keep it going. It's a, it's an, it's a serial. It's a, it, you know, Dune doesn't just have one book. It's got many. But uh, <laughs> to, the, to you, the listener, it's a great, it's a great big world out there. I can say personally, I think both of us can attest to that. That, you know, there is beauty and power and liberation in those difficult places and it's in facing those difficult challenges that we will find ourselves we will find the sense of meaning that makes it matter that comfort means nothing if it has meaning not attached to it that uh you know being yourself doesn't mean shit if you're not being yourself for a purpose you know finding happiness doesn't mean fucking shit if there are children all over this world that are starving and you know throwing their bodies into holes to bring metals out so that we can have these conversations on you know technology and all this stuff so life is yeah. an adventure and we're in it together and uh i i just any of you listening to this who want 
to go further, to go over the edge, like reach out. I will personally help you. I think Charles would probably agree. Like if, if people are, are on the threshold and want to go out the door, like sometimes all it takes is a little push. And, and I think that's how we can, that's how we can share to give back. Yeah, man, absolutely. We have to find ourselves um, by losing ourselves in the service of others. I forget who said that, but I think it's a, a great perspective. Good afternoon. I am current. Uh, right now, I'm in front. I'm currently in front of the Kharkiv National. This right here is the Kharkiv. They use the. They use these. They use the. <coughs> it. We ball. Russia. Russian Federation. And Putin. Thank you. Do you want to do something about all the issues we talk about here on our show? Do you want to learn more, get involved, and help us help others break out of the cycle? Step one is to join the growing community of rebels and kind hearts sharing their knowledge and passion. Follow Moneyless Society on our social media pages and spread the message to people who need it. When you're ready, you can get involved by reaching out and becoming a Moneyless Society volunteer. We need every skill imaginable, large or small, if we're going to resist the powers destroying our planet. And even if you don't have time to volunteer, you can help us build the dream with donations of any size. We create all of this community and content because it is our passion, but we need resources to get it done. Monthly Patreon donors receive cool perks like early access to future episodes, and visitors to our website, moneylesssociety.com, can buy Moso shirts and other merchandise that help spread awareness. We're glad you're here, and we hope that you'll keep learning and growing with us. The goal may seem far away, but we can get there together.